And what constantly are you now? I would say I'm constantly a student of the way. So every moment I'm practicing. And like you say, it's not a destination, it's a path. Yeah. And that path is practicing in every moment. Yeah. So whether I'm trying to open my heart a bit more or be a bit more mindful and undistracted yeah. uh, or whether I'm trying to calm my nervous system down, all of this is part of the way. Yeah. Trying to be a little bit more virtuous, a little bit more loving, connect yeah. with that, that deeper spirit and openness. I'd call myself a student. I would never call myself an enlightened being or anything like yeah. that. And, and people who come to my retreats, it's the first thing I say. Unfortunately, you're not going to be blessed just by, <laughs> just by being in my presence. <laughs> you know, I'm not touching anyone on the head today and you're, you're having enlightenment. Yeah. I believe society is a bit sick. And there's a famous quote, uh, it's no measure of, of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And, and I just thought what that society was asking of me to, yeah. to work my entire life, eight hours a day, six days a week, um, yeah. just have a roof over my head. And yeah. it just seemed like a scam, <laughs> you know, for want of a better word. I think schools should just be all about trying to create a new vision for society. We should have every primary school kid in their breaks coming up with new ways and using their intelligence and their creativity of how to do it. Because what we're doing right now is not working. People are miserable. Mental health's going, you know, through the roof. Depression, anxiety, all this sort of thing. We're destroying the environment. Our society is not a healthy one. We need to change radically. And we need some new ideas and some new vision. Mate, I'm tearing up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving it. I'm loving what I'm hearing. If you had to pick three words that now describe the value to you, what three words would you choose? And a word can be a phrase, a hyphenated word. Peace, harmony and compassion. Okay. 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 And, there I, it is. and I borrow those words from uh, Lao Tzu, from Taoism. It says, you know, following the Tao, following yeah. the way of nature is having peace harmony and compassion yeah and these are the three greatest treasures yeah that a human being can have oh dear people guess what yeah you have you've joined yet another episode of a journey with bernie and my editor and producer back there hiya chip i know that to introduce this particular episode you've got an excerpt from one of many moons ago. Chip, take it away. Love is the fragrance of this universal field. It's its presence. Any spiritual being that is in contact with it has this loving presence. Mate, there it is, mate. Every guest I have, there's always a sentence that I hear and I go, that's a wow. You've got to repeat that one for me. <laughs> love is the well, any, any Yeah, love is the fragrance of emptiness, of, of our core void, this universal field that's like yeah. space. Love is its fragrance. And any individual being who's connected to this essence it is also connected with that loving presence. Wow. I hope you don't mind me saying this, dear listeners. Out of all the lines that I've heard from all of our podcast guests. That one by, yes, Chad Foreman 
one of your favourites and one of mine. But that line, Chad, love is the fragrance, finish it off. Of emptiness. Of em- <laughs> <laughs> you know, occasionally in my life I get a line and it's a paradigm shifter. And that line was a, a, a catalyst for seeing the world differently. Chad, welcome back. It's great to do stage two with you, although I might add this is stage three because I came across you again only a couple of weeks ago when we shared yet another day of a Chad Foreman retreat up there at Budrum. Yes, Did, num- number two for you, I believe. Number two for me, mate, number two for me. But I do have to take up a, a, a little point of, uh, of issue with you. Did you really think me falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> in four of the six sessions was appropriate or inappropriate? <laughs> I, it's, I, I, I want an evaluation, please. It's a false dichotomy. It's, it's neither, neither. It's, it's totally acceptable and, and to be expected. Uh, and Why? Why was it to be expected? I think you're having a crack at my age. Um, not, no, not so much your age, your, your, your level of hyperactivity. <laughs> <laughs> you operate, you know, on a high energy level. So when you when someone asks you to calm down and watch your breath, you, the next thing you do is crash and fall asleep. It's it's common for people and to be expected when you ask them to relax. Is that right? Uh, often, is that right? Often people only have two modes. They're either go, go, go yeah. or asleep. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like I, I, I personally <laughs> don't feel that now in my life I'm as go, 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 go yeah. as, I, as I used to be. I actually gave it full credit to the slipping into the relaxing nature of the meditative processes that you were you were offering and I felt as if I was slipping into them slipping into them quickly yeah dropping into slipping them slipping into them <laughs> So that I could uh, sleep in them. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you comment on, comment on that? Can you slip into them so that they do relax you so quickly? Well, yeah, you kind of went pretty deep because you mentioned that your breathing stopped as well that oh, you're yeah. aware of as, during that day. And that's part of going into deep samadhi, oh, that, wow. that your respiration can actually stop. Yeah. Legend has it that yogis who are in the caves stop breathing for like, Oh, hours at a time. You're stroking my ego now. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we mentioned, they're, they're glimpses. They're glimpses of those states. Yeah. Oh. But, but certainly part of my program is to get people's nervous system to relax first. Right. Um, everyone, I believe, is on the spectrum of trauma. And That's interesting. Trauma affects everyone's nervous system yeah. and biochemical makeup and yeah. what's happening in your body. Yeah. So uh, the first step of meditation is that relaxation response and being able to relax the nervous system and uh, find that calm within yeah. the body, yeah. which is so nice. It's, it's so easy to fall asleep. And yeah. I think part of going into a retreat and doing practice is giving your body that reset where you give it the space to calm down and your nervous system to come back to a calm place. Yeah. It's very healing. You can leave it at that. That's meditation, you know, just learning how to regulate your own um, nervous system yeah. and to be able to relax. It's certainly the first stage and, and you experienced it during that retreat, oh, which was one- you, man. You're very- <laughs> Which is wonderful, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm experiencing. All as I know, 
is that those experiences make me aware of their value mm -hmm. and I can feel um, its value. Like someone asked me about the retreat that we did, that one-day retreat, and, and two, three days later, I'm actually feeling still the effect and the impact of having taken a day out to have that much, that much relaxation in the space of the eight-hour period that we, that we spent together. Mm. You know, I, I still could feel that literally in the Sunday when I'm on the Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I've still got it flowing with me, you know. So I, I just know that it's, it, that it's immeasurably um, valuable, yeah. It's wonderful, isn't yeah, it? It is, it is. It's samadhi. It's called samadhi or deep, love, deep concentration or, or getting into deeper layers of consciousness. Um, oh. Losing your ego identity, it, it's based around oneness and a non-dual experience, but it's very relaxing and, and you can sort of stay there and really enjoy it. Um, samadhi, yeah, it's a beautiful part of meditation. I, I, I find that little comment fascinating because one of my pet phrases <laughs> that seems to flow when I'm speaking with people and I'm making some comment, I, I just say to people, I don't know whether what I'm about to say is my ego speaking. Or I actually say that to this could mm. be my ego speak, mm. but I'm just totally unaware. I don't feel as if there is something driving the need to say it or there's some value in it for me to say it. But I feel that it's worthwhile to the contribution of the conversation, you know. So I'm mm. still like feeling as if there is an, an ego uh, dilution, that's, that, that's enough, you know, um, by being in touch with this meditative world. Uh, does, does that resonate with you in any way? Uh, oh, totally, totally. Uh, in my studies of uh, Buddhism, they, they talk about samsara and enlightenment. Oh. And it's two different – in samsara, you're being controlled by your ego. You're sort of being pushed around by your thoughts, by your narratives, by your anger, by your frustration, by your depression, these things. And it's yeah. a perpetual cycle of suffering. Yeah. But it's more from where you're coming from uh, – an enlightened way is when you're coming from openness and peace and yeah. compassion and it's a different way um, of being. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I hate to set up dualities but understanding your ego and how it sort of controls you and how you behave and everything is a huge part of the spiritual journey yeah. of, med of meditation, of yeah. personal development. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, if I may speak on a personal level, sure. <laughs> I think I'm afraid that uh, of what I just don't even realise is, is, is forming ego or when even ego is operating because, for example, when I, I visit my parents, <laughs> there is so much of my presence with my parents in which I'm not feeling any triggers anymore. I, I mean, sometimes persons of their generation <laughs> can say some amazing things <laughs> triggered by their past history. Um, they can make comment on the the playing quality of today's cricketers <laughs> compared to the past. They can make comment on how they felt about those who were antagonists during World War II. 
and they can make some unbelievable, incredible comments <laughs> that really negate any value in the present <laughs> because it wasn't like it was in the past. I, I, I don't feel any attachment to any of those things that, that generation says to me anymore. I don't get involved in it. In fact, I even warm to the fact that they need to say it but without me being dragged into it, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm experiencing there is what I'm trying to say here. Is, is that any dilution of ego? Or that, some, I don't yeah, know. I yeah. don't know. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, these are signs because uh, I'm assuming this used to would trigger you it's or right. something and, and now it doesn't, yeah. so you're noticing that. Yeah. yeah. And we should notice these small gains and insights that we have over years. You know, we shouldn't yeah. go to one retreat and think we're going to be different the next day. Oh, <laughs> it takes no. it takes a lot of time and development. Uh, but you get there, like, wow, that that uh, would have really pissed me off five years ago or something. Yeah. You know, but now I'm quite calm and I've got some insights and I even have compassion. Yeah. These these are the ways you can tell. Yeah. These are, are you being controlled by some wanting to change your, people, change the situation out of attachment and. Or are you just operating out of openness and compassion? Yeah. And this is the enlightened way and, and you're not being – it's you're not acting out of conditioning or, tra- yeah. or trauma. You're acting out of that spontaneous openness that's yeah. always there. Yeah. I, I, I think that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's helpful is there are little signs of your, 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 your enhancement, yeah. um, little signs of your, of your progress don't go back to that tennis John McEnroe losing temper, Chad. Yeah. There that we spoke about in chapter 34, episode 34. I've got chapter right. 34. Episode 34. Don't need to go that far back. But in 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 recent times, as you've embraced this this journey of meditation, nature, 9 p.m., looking at the stars. This, this is the Chad Foreman <laughs> vision that I've got, the, the, the Chad Foreman who can, who can run that particular retreat and, and lead 18 people on a terrific experience and open up their eyes to see more, therefore they can be more. To what degree has, has that journey led to a degree of constancy in you and con- and what constantly are you now? I would say I'm constantly a student of the way. So every moment I'm practicing. And like you say, it's not a destination, oh. it's a path. Yeah. And that path is practicing in every moment. Yeah. So whether I'm trying to open my heart a bit more or be a bit more mindful and undistracted yeah. uh, or whether I'm trying to calm my nervous system down, all of this is part of the way. Yeah. Trying to be a little bit more virtuous, a little bit more loving, connect yeah. with that, that deeper spirit and openness. So I'd call myself a student. I would never call myself an enlightened being or anything like yeah. that. And, and people who come to my retreats, it's the first thing I say, unfortunately, you're not going to be blessed just by... <laughs> Just by being in my presence, <laughs> you know, I'm not touching anyone on the head today and you're, you're having enlightenment. Well, that made me take notice. Here's a man who's been on the journey of growth, development and transformation for years. And what's he taken away from that? To remain a student. So that begs the question, on what path are you and I traveling? 
Because I think Chad's suggesting that committing to lifelong learning is essential to living a maximized, fulfilled life because learning is growth, right? And growth defines meaning. So ensuring you never stop learning ensures a meaningful life. So let me ask you this, listeners. Are you a student of life or are you just rocking up each day and going through the motions? Are you taking it for granted? Have you lost that curiosity, that joyful inquisitiveness that is such a cornerstone of what it means to be human? And if you have, or if like me, you haven't lost it, but you know, you forget it a lot. You, you sort of let it slip by the wayside. How do you get that joyful curiosity back every moment of every day? I teach methods and I think these methods are somewhat lost or somewhat diluted yeah. in modern times. And these ancient yogic methods are really powerful to, to unlock our, our, our full potential as both human beings, but also uh, as beings being able to connect to a deeper spiritual dimension yeah. and, the, yeah. and to make our life whole yeah. And, 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 yeah, complete. Why, Chad? What, 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 why do you... Why have you chosen to be the the student? Out of all the options that you've got in life, why is this pathway just so important to you? Why choose this pathway? What's the benefit? What's what's the value to you? I guess it's not wasn't never just one choice. It's it's a lifelong of influences and you know, we mentioned my sporting background and developing and so it was never just one choice that I'm, I'm going to choose this. A lot of it's come from my disillusionment with of? society, our modern world, you know, being an activist or under, back in the 80s, they're chopping down all the trees and, mm. you know, screwing the environment and, 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 and corporate greed, um, pollution, um, the, these things sort of disillusioned me. My, my parents weren't healthy. They were sort of screwed down by the system in a sense that, that, that dad was an alcoholic and, and mom was on Valium all her life, uh, depressed and anxious as well. Um, and I just, I believe society is a bit sick. And there's a famous quote, uh, it's no measure of, of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Yeah. And, and I just thought what that society was asking of me to, yeah. to work my entire life, eight hours a day, six days a week, um, yeah. just have a roof over my head and yeah. it just seemed like a scam, <laughs> you know, for want of a better word. And I was disillusioned with this society and that, that was a big part of my journey too. So, and yeah. I was looking for other ways, other ways of living, other ways of being, other ways in this world. These disillusionments, I, I mean, I've got read a few books of recent times uh, that have been, you know, prompted and written by Buddhism and th these were sufferings that you were mm. experiencing and these sufferings then inspired your your want to find another way to to see it all differently mm. yeah yeah just looking at things that this isn't working I don't want to do this is not working so yeah. that's often the, the first motivation to come to meditation or, or spiritual practice is what what i'm doing right now isn't working yeah uh, i want to try other things uh, and that's where i came across buddhism yeah um wanting to try other ways of being and eventually living in that community 
because, yeah. because the systems were supportive of spiritual development. Yeah. The modern world systems are not supportive of spiritual development, nah, you know. Yeah. They're supportive of economic development. Yeah. Um, but I think we've lost touch with our, our spiritual development. I'm, I'm going to press a little harder on, on, on the why. The why. The why. Here we go. Here we go. It's g- give me the three greatest benefits of your current spiritual practice and pathway. If you had to pick three words that now describe the value to you, what three words would you choose? And a word can be a phrase, a hyphenated word. Peace, harmony and compassion. Okay, 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 and there I, it is. And I borrow those words from uh, Lao Tzu from Taoism. It says, you know, following the Tao, following yeah. the way of nature is having peace, harmony and compassion. Yeah. And these are the three greatest treasures yeah. that a human being can have. So I did have a search and it did start with suffering, as you yeah, said, well, and, and it ended up with me being becoming a monk yeah. and shaving my head and, and taking vows of celibacy and following it full time. And I did. I, f- I found gems. Um, yeah. I looked at psychology. I went to uni for five years studying psychology and sociology and, and, yeah. and other types of therapies and, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy and that sort of thing. So I've looked into the mind a lot from the Western perspective. But the, the gems I found in Buddhism, and, and I think what's missing are the, are the spiritual understandings of a human being and, yeah. and, and our roots not just being biological, but our roots within us being our conscious, yeah. consciousness with these qualities that's sometimes called divine, but these qualities of compassion, peace yeah. and harmony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, when, when you speak, so often I, I, I sense this inference that you're making. And the inference is that peace, um, compassion, love, it's already in us. You, you, you're, you're, you referred to before that the enlightened moment is when we're free from thought, we're free from that intervention so that we're actually can be this that is already in us. Hmm. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, people often speak about with enlightenment, you don't actually gain anything, but you lose, you know, your, your triggers, your, your temper, your ignorance, your harm of yourself, harming others. Yeah. These things just fall away because you're not egotistically driven to change the situation or, or look for benefit. Um, for, for some narrative-driven motives, you know, yeah. it comes from a holistic understanding. It's a balancing. It's not coming from self-other. It's coming of a harmony of oneness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it is. It is very much within us. It's just removing those things like distraction, stress, um, anger, and 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 I guess racist views, bigoted view, views yeah. that separate people. Anything yeah. that separates us. Yeah. You know that that stands in the way of of this love shining through. Yeah. Rumi said something like this. He said, you don't have to search for love. You merely have to remove the barriers to it. Yeah. And it shines. So this is a non-dual, what they call non-dual, in that everything is already there. Yeah. It's called your Buddha nature. Some people call it your your higher nature. Yeah. I think it is beyond human nature. It's not just being human. It's something deeper than that. It's our source. And it's not just our source. It's the source of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Chad, if 
We've still got to exist in this world. Do we? <laughs> well, we are. That's the fun of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you say this world, you're talking, talking about, like, about ha- um, having a body and well, having work the, the and bills. body, and- yeah. But the, 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 unless we become an enlightened being, we're still going to be in the body. But I'm talking about the social constructs that are all around us. I, I call it the evolution of the world. I call it the, the – when, when I sit on my patio at – kangaroo point and i look across the river and i see all these tall skyscrapers and i imagine all the business and the commercial operations and having been a corporate coach and and imagining how some of those corporations and those teams operate and fail to operate i might just throw that in there as well Mm -hmm. how much greed that i can you can see even in a in a in the 630 news Mm -hmm. uh, how much suffering there there is we still have to exist in this world mm-hmm. and yet what I, what I sense is that the challenge that you might be advocating is how we can modify our existence so that we can dilute our own personal suffering, <laughs> get rid of those, not get rid of, but dilute those interventions so that we can be more of the love and the compassion that that is us and still bring that to the world that we live in. Is that our challenge, the modified existence in is the it, world as it is? Um, yeah, I think it's our challenge to be natural and not to modify it too much. You say modified, but the idea of meditation is it's a natural state and, and in that natural state things are in alignment and flow for the betterment of you and others. And you can bring that to engineering, you know, anything you want, technology, you can bring that love, peace and compassion to it. But, yeah, integration is key uh, within the traditions like Zogchen, which I'm a student of. uh, Integration is the key. I want you to elaborate on what you mean by integration. Well, it's integrating spiritual truths in every moment. uh, And and this is the goal of meditation is always present-centred, like, we have to exist, but if we just exist in this goals, goal-orientated way where the goal is the future, yeah, we can never be happy. Yeah. We'll, we'll always be looking to the future. We have to learn um, how to have goals in the present moment that, yeah. we, can, that we can enact. Yeah. Um, so finding those gems and treasures within that present moment and, and, and practicing them in the present moment, that's, that's integration. Integration yeah. is another way of saying practice, I guess, yeah. that you're integrating compassion, openness, yeah. love uh, into every present moment and that, that's integration. And that is our challenge because we, we shouldn't have to not be that when we go to work. Yeah. We should be able to integrate love, peace, harmony at work. Yeah. And it's quite obvious to people where there's not love, peace and compassion at work yeah. but they're stuck in hierarchies and, and, and these silos, old ways and of doing things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we need to transcend. At the moment our monkey mind, we're just being monkeys, being tribal, fighting and that maybe biologically that's all we are. But we somehow have gained this self-awareness and access to these deeper, what, what could be called spiritual dimensions. Yeah. And in this way, we could evolve ourselves even more. Yeah. This may be even part of evolution, it is becoming self-aware. I like that. And then tra- like that. transcending past just being, you know, bald monkeys yeah. that can talk yeah. and, and, and being able to integrate these higher principles 
into our society like love, peace and harmony yeah. and have them as central instead of having GDP and making money as a central driving force of our economy, yeah. have uh, compassion, peace and harmony as a driving force incentivized in our systems. Can the, can the two integrate? Love, peace and harmony on one hand and uh, productivity, uh, commercial profits and shareholding, um, can they integrate? Oh, I think they have to. As people say, compassion isn't a luxury anymore. It's an absolute necessity. You know, at the end result of reductionist thinking and uh, seeing others as others is war and tribalism. And war starts with sticks and stones and ends in nuclear disaster. <laughs> Wow, yeah. God, you've got a good turn of phrase, mate. <laughs> that, that, that's the end result of, of, of our ego. Yeah. You know, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Ego's never happy. Look how rich these billionaires are and they just want more and more and they want to acquire everything and yeah. control everything because ego never stops. So we have to sort of, oh, I believe the ego has risen to the top and sociopaths do rule our world, as John Lennon pointed out in the 60s. <laughs> you know, they're madmen with no vision controlling our world. What's their vision? Where are we going? What are we meant to be creating? Yeah. John Lennon was asking that, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. Mate, are we going to break into a verse of Imagine here? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's needed. That's exactly what's needed is a vision, oh, a vision of how we can run our society. I think schools should just be all about trying to create a new vision for society. We should have every primary school kid in their breaks coming up with new ways and using their intelligence and their creativity of how to do it because what we're doing right now is not working. <laughs> People yeah. are miserable. Mental health's going, you know, through the roof. Depression, anxiety, all this sort of thing. We, we're destroying the environment. Our society is not a healthy one. We need to change radically and we need some new ideas and some new vision. Mate, I'm tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving what I'm hearing. Well, dear people, you might consider this an interruption to the podcast. Not so. It is a glorious invitation, an invitation for you to join me and many, many others on that mighty trail to Everest Base Camp in Nepal, or maybe you'd prefer to do Gokyo Lakes. Yes, you've got two choices there, and both of them will not let you down. Why? Because you'll be walking under the shadow of the most powerful forces of nature upon our planet. But you're also trekking and hiking with the beautiful Sherpa, who are our guides. Are they the most peaceful tribe of people upon the planet? I think so. And they're beautifully founded in the spirit of Buddhism. Just imagine it. Nature, Himalaya, Powerful forces, Sherpaism, Buddhism, all infecting and invading your soul. I'm letting you know now, dear people, you come on the mighty trek that's leaving Australia or entering Nepal on April the 3rd or 4th, 2024, and you cannot return to your home base, your country, the same person as the one who left. It is simply that powerful. Would you love to join us? Here's all you have to do. I want you to take note of this particular number. Now get a pen. I'm going to delay for a second. One, two, three. three seconds I delayed for. Plus six, one. Four, one, two. Nine, eight, two. Four, four, four. 
Now, you text me and say that you're interested, and within 48 hours, I'll have delivered back to you a comprehensive information kit that gives you all the information that you will need to make an informed decision about joining us and the globe on a mighty trek to Everest Base Camp. And please remember that preceding that trek, we're also going to spend two beautiful days with 550 disabled children in Kathmandu. Yes, we built them a brand new school following the earthquakes of 2015, which shattered their classrooms. And and, and I, I, I hesitate to say this, but thankfully they did because the new school that they've got has been a, a new energy for this beautiful community called Kagandra. Dear people, come to Nepal with us where I promise you that your spirit to become that more loving human being generate greater inner happiness. It will be enhanced. Hey, let's go back to this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, but when you talk about integration, you know, I don't just believe it's at the uh, personal level. Yeah, you know, that's what I, I'm hearing. Mm, yeah. and, and I think individually, if we integrated this into every single role that we do, every, yeah. you know, whatever, however small you think it is and you make a difference, yeah. you do. It's those ripples moving outwards. It's yeah. If you connect with that light, you make, you're making the environment brighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't lost track of how I opened this podcast, which was love the fragrance of emptiness mm-hmm. we're, we're going to come back to that mm-hmm. but I do want to mention to our listeners two things dear listeners I so enjoyed the day that I had with Chad recently for the second time this is your one day retreat in which you introduced 18 of us um, including Bernie to six different meditative processes or some overlapping, um, but we had six different meditative experiences. I, I just think it's a beautiful day. And dear listeners, what I'm doing for my community, but my community is uh, a journey with Bernie listeners. My community is where I live, Riverscape Units. I, I'm going to sponsor, in inverted commas, um, a day with chat for 18 people. And I'm going to bring them to you. And we're going to have a Bernie Community Day <laughs> with Chad Foreman. But I want you to imagine a second day. And Chad, I always told you that if we talk about things, things would evolve. Mm-hmm. What if I brought you 18 CEOs? Yeah. Right now, you've got to be aware who I'm, I'm bringing into the same room as you. Mm-hmm. And they're ways of seeing things, their, their, uh, their values, they could be quite at odds. <laughs> now, yeah. here's what I want to challenge you now. What are you going to offer them? What type of experience, what would be your objective from you to them? How would you hope to open up their eyes? What would be the central message or messages you'd want to or experience you'd want to bring to them so that they could see more? Well, the, the start of the spiritual path is this disillusionment. And Jim Carrey 
went on a, a famous rant and it's brilliant and he, and he spoke, he said, oh, look, I wish everyone could become millionaires. So they discover that that's not the answer to happiness. Yeah. This is the, this is the balance, isn't it? Because the argument is you, you can't just be happy in the dirt. We do need a little bit of material sustenance, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. they're always going to say, yeah, well, we need to live, we need houses, we need money, and it always always comes back to that. So it's 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 a really hard balance. And, you, and you've sprung this on me today. <laughs> Just a simple. Guess what? This is the first time I've actually seen you hesitate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no, we're getting political and I don't want to say that I've got all the answers. No. Uh, it's, it's really, really difficult. But I, I, just to stay with my point, if we can change the very paradigms of how they're seeing things, you, you really have to stop this pursuit of money. And, and this is the most difficult things because the shareholders need it, the, the company survives because of money. But in, in my book, and if we're going to talk enlightened and enlightened societies, yeah. we need to talk about enlightened companies. And we have to convince these CEOs of the world they want their to live wow. in and the world they want their children to live in. You know, do you want to set up corporations that all look like Amazon? They've got to pee in a cup and work 15 hours a day for near slave labor. Is that what, you know, because that's the end result of the ego in corporations. One monopoly wins yeah. um, and, and they suck out of that organisation as much money as possible and don't give any to, to the workers. Yeah. That's the end result. So what sort of world do you want to leave your, your children and, and what sort of corporation do you want to have? Because corporations rule the world right now. Yeah. If we could transform them, that's how we could transform the world. And if yeah. we could tra transform them with changing these principles into a place you don't want a holiday from, a place you look forward to going to. Yeah. <laughs> Google and those big companies started it. They started bringing mindfulness in and safety pods and peace pods and things. You know, you can go get away and they supported things. And these are wonderful developments, but it was all around in the pursuit of money, okay. in, in the pursuit of making people happier yeah. so the company is more productive. Yeah. And that's the space most teachers and mindfulness teachers are in at the moment. They're just helping people not to be stressed out of their brains so they could be more productive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go deeper than that, you know, well, just I'm gonna train, a, revolutionize our ways of thinking about yeah, what, what a corporation is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you just gave us a great phrase before, enlightened companies, the call for enlightened companies. I'm going to switch role. I'm not going to be that CEO now. I'm going to listen to what Chad just said to that CEO and now I'm going to become Chad's assistant. <laughs> and I want you to comment on what Chad's assistant is about to say because I'm going to speak to those CEOs. Mm -hmm. I think what Chad was attempting to say, CEO, was something along these lines. As an enlightened company, you must never ever think this is going to be at the dilution of profits. In fact, it could be at the enhancement of profits. But what in fact it does, it doesn't make profit the pursuit. It just makes it the outcome. Imagine a company that was founded and flourished in compassion, where actually you could say that compassion was the culture of the company, the way that it operated, that the instigation of joy on a daily basis was something that we all were mindful of. Could you please imagine how you would treat your customers? Would there be a customer whose name you would not know? Would there be a customer who would enter into your store 
or enter into the vicinity of your company's products and you wouldn't want to greet by name? Would there be a customer who you wouldn't want to connect with first as a human being, not just as someone who's purchasing your product? And let's go into the teens, mindful that that the, the teams and productivities Nine times out of ten, they are relying on great interdependency between departments. Departments actually have to work together, not operate as silos. But to be able to work together, you've actually got to see each other with, 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 with wanting to bring more joy and happiness and connectivity and nurture to each other. That actually becomes the purpose of our existence so that we can work together and become more productive and more efficient. I'm making this up, Chad. I'm making this up, dear CEOs. But I'm saying this because, Chad, if you could hear that being said to the CEOs and the CEOs just generally getting what is a very generic message from your assistant, how do you feel that that message complements what you are calling for in the corporate commercial world of being enlightened companies? I think employees should have a space to flourish and to fully evolve yeah. spiritually and in every way possible instead of going into your company to die and wither away. Yeah. So well, you, go to your corner and do your task. I think we want to build fieldfuls of flowers. Yeah. And and, and that's your organisation and every because yeah. this is the vision of, of a new earth. Eckhart totally put across. Yeah. But enlightening, awaking up spiritually is like a flower blooming. Um, and at, the, at one point on this planet, there was only a few flowers, but now there's flowers covering the yeah. planet. So if every every boss, every CEO could get their all their company employees to flower and become awakened, I think too the access to creativity and thinking outside of the box. This is what we're talking about. That's what I was alluding to. Yeah, this is next level. Um, yeah. Yeah, and if you give people the space and, and flexibility to be able to call on that sort of creativity in the work, that's the skill of a good businessman. I don't have those answers, but yeah. I, I'm all about connect, giving people the practices and methods to yeah. be able to connect with that sort of rich source of creativity and joy and love because yeah. the, the, these are the sources of inspiration. Yeah. It's the same thing. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, deep within us. Yeah, not long ago, you'll, you'll smile at this, but a company asked me once again to take away their executive team. I hadn't taken them away for a couple of years. They had enough of Bernie mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had a break and someone else took them away for their annual executive strategizing retreat. However, they came back to me and said, Bernie, can you take us away? We're losing touch with our people. And when I discussed what the retreat uh, was going to be all about, um, I said to them, I'll do this job, but on one condition, I do it my way. And the CEO asked me, well, what is your way? I said, they all have to read a book before we go on the retreat because the book is going to become the essence of what we are going to discuss. The book was the book of joy, (laughs) 
by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Wow. And I had these executives of this company Mm -hmm. all having to read it and report back what did they read in the book that they thought might be of value to them as an individual, them as leaders of their various departments and to the value to the company. And I kid you not, on the retreat, they were all able to identify enormous value that came out of the book. The thing that fascinated me was they weren't able over the time that followed the retreat, able to let go of the past habits, Mm. the reactive ways of operating Mm. in order to move forward with the lessons and the learnings of the retreat. Mm. And why? Because on an individual basis, they had not become the lessons of the retreat. Yeah, the (laughs) the embodiment. Yeah, yeah, they were aware of it, cognitively Mm. aware of it but they hadn't become it. Yep. So how can you lead it if you're not mm. it to, you know, to, to some degree? Well, well this speaks to it's, it's, it's all needed. It's a retreat is needed to, to get away and sort of short circuit um, the stress of our lives yeah. um, and, and our turn off our emails, our phones yeah. and just go to nature and have a breath. You know, you need that. You need to, to, to get away from it. But you also need practices that help you reconnect in everyday life. Yeah. Um, so you need like a daily practice. Yeah. In in the sense of sitting down for twenty minutes every day to meditate on, yeah. on on purpose, and then you need things that you contemplate or remember during the day, and particularly mindfulness and um, being kind and connected with an open heart. Yeah. These are great practices. Seeing things as an illusion. Yeah. During the day, not taking your opinion so seriously. Yeah. This is another a way to integrate yeah. uh, wisdom into your daily life. So there's all these daily practices, and they're the three things. So there's retreat where you go deep and have life changing experiences. Yeah. And then you have this daily practice where you reconnect with that. Hopefully, you drop into it just yeah. for a few minutes, and then during your day, you're constantly trying to integrate those insights, those things you've discovered in retreat and your meditations into your daily life: the mindfulness, the peace, the harmony. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you said, that does become kind of like your life purpose or your yeah, spiritual does, path. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which you then bring into all aspects of your life, including your business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I had this marvellous experience. It's almost a year ago now in which I took away 15 business owners from the same company. These 15 business owners, they all owned their own stores. So I've given a little bit of a clue there without mentioning the company. And we climbed, in inverted commas, it's not actually a climb, it's a trek. The Himalayas' highest trekkable peak, Mount Mera, M-E-R-A, which you can access by flying into Lakla and that Everest Kambu region of the Himalayas. And over 14 days, we had this most remarkable experience together. I've spoken recently to a number of those store owners. And I can share with you, not all of them, but a greater majority of them have a different way of viewing their business. Not just their business, but their life. And consequently, the way they see their life, uh, see their work in life, is different. It has differences. Mm. There's far more greater balance between 
pouring love into their family versus pouring love into their business where once there was the possibility that business dominated. Mm-hmm. It's just even though they see things differently. I asked one person the other day, I said, in your business, who are you? Usually they would say that I'm a business owner or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a store manager, I'm a store leader. Mm-hmm. No, he said, I'm the coach. Cool. <laughs> totally different way different perspective. of seeing their perspective. Yeah. And he would put it down to this powerful 14-day experience of being in one of the great forces of nature, the Himalayas. You know? Yeah. There's a beautiful quote, um, Thomas Merton, I believe. He says, we're all just, uh, we're, all holding, we're all walking each other home. We're all w- walking each other home. And that's home to our true self. Yeah. And people have this awakening and then they want others to experience that too when it grows. Yeah. But if you have CEOs awaken, yeah. um, then everything they do is imbued with that light, with that shine. Yeah. I don't know how to run a business. They know how to run a business. Yeah. But I know how to awaken people with these methods. Yeah. Um, and, and once you do, it changes everything. Yeah. And you see, Chad, I'm not convinced that it will actually dilute profits. That's the interesting yeah. part. I, I have no idea. I, I have yeah, no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That wasn't a challenge to you. It's just yeah. a, in, in my view of what you're saying and what I see, I actually think it has the capacity to enhance profits. <laughs> I think so too. But without it being the pursuit. Yeah. I mean, what if everyone was like doubly as happy but profits didn't go up? Is that okay? Is that good? Do you know what I mean? Like what's the measure of a corporation doing well? And I think it was Bhutan. They don't have a gross domestic product, a GDP. They have, a, um, I think it's like gross domestic happiness or something. They try to measure how happy people are. So people's mental health is a serious indicator of that society, how well it's doing, rather than just if they're making more money than they did the year before. Because at the moment, that's like our measure. Every yeah. politician's just hell-bent on improving the GDP, making more money for the country, and, and yeah. that's supposedly good for everyone. Yeah. Whereas there's a whole different mindset where the gross domestic happiness yeah. and on every level we can make people happy. Yeah. Like we mentioned, I think, last time, just smiling at someone can, <laughs> can improve someone's day. Yeah. You know, looking up to them and saying hello and offering them a warm smile can improve someone's day. Yeah. And if we can bring that into the workplace, yeah. um, we could improve people's lives. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. need more than just good intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you need you to... You need to integrate this into your daily life in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, and that's through meditation because it's, it's often it's like having these goals, like in 10 years we'll have this done and in 10 years we'll reduce this and you have all these grand claims and mission statements mm. <laughs> and they're hyperbolic rubbish. Mm. You need goals that are like right now I can be mindful. Mm. Right now I can you know practice dropping into my heart space or, mm. or use some breathing technique to mm. calm my nervous system down. All of this helps your performance in the present moment. Yeah. If you're angry or upset or triggered, you literally lose the use of your prefrontal cortex. Yeah. <laughs> you become less intelligent. So the more calm that your nervous system is, the more loving you are. Yeah. Literally, the more loving you are, the more intelligent you are. Yeah. So this is what I was talking That's about. That's a beautiful phrase. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is a little bit where the fragrance of emptiness, you know, compassion yeah. is a fragrance of yeah. emptiness. So it's being able to let go and switch off, and that actually activates that natural fragrance yeah, to come through. Yeah. Beautiful. comes with trusting yourself, though, because a lot of these things, people are just coming up with better strategies, and it's just still all in the head. 
yeah. sort of thing. It's all strategies and plans and points and it's all, it's all cerebral and cognitive and concepts. Yeah. You have to be able to come into a heart space and learn how to be that way yeah. and interact that way. Yeah. And not just like follow the plan of the concepts yeah. but actually be in that loving space where you're calm and open. This is where, forgive me, um, this is where I, I enjoyed the first 15 minutes on a personal basis because you, you, you said measure yourself mm. along the way as mm. to whether you're actually doing that because my fear is is that, is that I think you just described me. I, cognitively, I, I think I have reasonable understanding of the possibilities mm. but then trusting yourself to actually turn the, the understanding into action so that you can actually start to become what you understand. Mm. That's, uh, that's the, the different pathway. Uh, yeah, and it's developing that wisdom, isn't it, that yeah. knows the difference. So meditation is not just about not thinking or something. You actually develop a lot of discernment yeah. in meditation, and that discernment is a type of self-awareness. Like just the discernment, is my, car, is my nervous system calm right now or is it agitated? Yeah. This is a type of discernment. There's two things to look at and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm a little bit agitated. Or the other question is, is my heart open right now or is yeah, it closed? Yeah. So you learn to, to look at two different things and then you can know, like you said, how do I know? These are the signs. Yeah. I'm very specific in every level of, of, you know, the direction you're moving in and the thing you've got to check up on. Yeah. And you can check up on it. You know, am I coming from my ego? Yeah. Or am I coming from this deepest place of openness? Yeah. And allowance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Chad, November 12th? <laughs> November 12th, yes. Now, for any of our listeners out there, just be aware that, that I'm bringing Chad to, this is just a nebulous phrase, folks, a Bernie community. Um, it's just anyone that I know, and if you're a listener to A Journey with Bernie, um, while I may not have met you personally, but you're more than welcome um, to, to contact me and to find out about November the 12th, a day with Chad Foreman. We're going to be doing, can you describe our venue? It's um, a wellness centre in Butterham in the, in the bushland that's declared National Forest. It's a beautiful natural environment. It's one huge room with one side just totally glass overlooking the botanical-like gardens. It's a lovely quiet venue in Butterham in the middle of the Sunshine Coast. Um, yeah, can I describe the day? Because I'm yeah, keen to describe the it. day. Yeah, go for it, mate. Go for it, please. <laughs> As you mentioned, these five or six principles, and I've sort of boiled them down, um, but this is what you practice on the day, and this is what we're talking about. It's not just conceptual. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to practice these things. Yeah. And these five things we practice, um, the, the first one is calm. So we practice calm, which is about calming the nervous system. And then we practice settle. Calming and how do we do that? What's well, the focus I, there? I was trying to sum it up, but it's yeah, calming. Then it will breath work. Okay, breath work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Using the breath, pranayama, yeah. to calm the nervous system, to yeah. come into that relaxed space. Yeah. Um, and the next one is settle the mind, mm. which is mindfulness. So it's learning how to calm the mind and, and not be so distracted. Yeah. Uh, and the next one is opening, which is love. It's being able to accept, not judge, and really open. Uh, this is where emptiness and love are nearly the same thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you learn about this heart space. Yeah. So the next one is to open. The, the next one is to inquire, to be able to look within and say, who am I? Yeah. What is that witness? And then the last one is to awaken. Yeah. So you do find something. 
Yeah. You do find that stillness and silence that yeah. is also fragrant with loving presence and mm. peace and joy. Mm. So it has movement to it, but it also has deep stillness. And that's what, awakening to that is the whole purpose of the spiritual path, as, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Awakening to this Buddha nature, this mm. true self, this enlightened self. Mm. Uh, and that's what the day is all about, awakening all these qualities that were in you, uh, that are in you. Even your calm nervous system, yeah. that's, that's the potential for you to feel deep peace and relaxation because your nervous system has come back into, into balance and calm. Yeah. And calm. Yeah. And that's why we start the day with calm. We start the day with a deep breath. Yeah. We start every meditation with a deep breath. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And all as I can say to you, dear listeners, is of the 18 people, and I was one of them, that was with Chad only a few weeks ago, I'm quite comfortable in saying that I'm almost prepared to um, promise you. Promise might be too much of a word there. <laughs> um, but I'll go. It'll go. I'll go close to promise that you'll have um, a very enhanced awareness experience. You can't leave the day without just being a little bit more aware of uh, of greater possibilities. Chad, I told you I hadn't forgotten the phrase because mm-hmm. it was a paradigm shifter for me. So as we approach the end of chapter two with Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Love is the fragrance of emptiness. Listening to you today, I've heard more than ever you promote the, the concept of a meditative practice. I think we're clear now that a regular meditative practice is a contributor to moving on that pathway towards sensing and feeling our emptiness. I've also heard you refer to power of nature. You speak a lot of nature, um, and and I've, I've, I've attempted to support it through my own experiences of the Himalayas. Oh, by the way, listeners, I'm going to announce it. I'm pretty keen to get Chad to come to Nepal with us, but yet to evolve and develop. I'm just sowing the seed here on this September day, 2023. Nature, you've spoken of, meditation. What are other considerations if we are to move towards experiencing the outcome of emptiness, our truer self? What are the others? Is they the only two? Nature, go to nature, and meditation, or are there are there other ways of tasting the odor of love from emptiness? Oh, there are many, many ways. Give me a couple. Mate. Every moment is an invitation into this space because it is available in, in, in every single moment. I speak about these five things that I teach as portals. Yeah. back into this this open space, this Buddha nature, so they're like doorways. But anything that brings your mind to the present moment intently okay. can be a portal into this space. You start going into a timeless space. When you're in the present moment, you might lose track of time. Yeah, Love brings you into this space, whether you love what you're doing in the present moment, whether you love another human being, whether you love an animal. When yeah. you can love something, 
yeah. um, that is a portal into this type of space. And that can yeah. be right now, you know, you can be feeling a little bit upset and then you can just recall how much you love your parents, your siblings, your workers, somebody, everybody, yeah. everybody. Just conjuring up that type of love brings you into this type of space. Another portal, like I say, is inquiring. Just like who is the one that's angry right now? Reflection. Reflection, inquiring. Therefore, what about a personal diary? That's all part of it. There's just, of course, yeah, Yeah, something to make you more self-aware of what's going on on a daily basis and see those patterns and things like this. Yeah, Yeah. I think every single moment that, like I said, that you're either sort of flowing with the way or or you're a bit out of alignment. Yeah, you know. Um, So every moment you can bring yourself back into alignment. Whether you need to calm yourself down a bit, be a bit less distracted, open your heart. Just remember who you are. That's yeah. what inquiring is about. Like, who, who am I? Yeah. And when you learn to do this deep inquiry, you really find the open spaces yeah. within. And that's what you awaken to. Yeah. And those open spaces, this sky-like nature, as they say, isn't just empty space. Mm. It's actually filled with the creative intelligence of the universe, mm. which that intelligence, when it inter- interacts with itself, creates love and harmony. Yeah. So it's naturally imbued with the intelligence of love. Mm. And love is a big word and it's all involved with this intelligence. So if you can find this space within, it, it has the fragrance of, of love mm. and compassion and presence. Mm. So it's not just empty or, or, you know, detached void. That You can get stuck in a phase that's like that, but if you go all the way, that's when you open your heart, feel the joy and the whole experience of this present moment is available. Mm. What about the enactment of a loving act mm-hmm. called servitude, where one makes a decision whereby serving another, serving a body of, of people who, who may have need, mm-hmm. but it's actually a choice to serve and to add value, which I would regard in some ways as an enactment of, of love. Is that, yeah. a, is, is that a, another contribution? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In yogic terms, it's called karma yoga. Okay. Um, and it's the path of action yeah. and, and servitude, like you say, and, and, and worshipping other beings yeah. and, and being there to serve them. It's abs- and this is part of love. You learn to cherish others more than yourself. Yeah. It's an absolute portal or pathway into this sort of opening. Yeah. And it's often where you find like hidden enlightened beings, not yeah. the ones on social media telling you they're enlightened, yeah. but the ones looking after five kids and holding down a house and yeah. <laughs> always being kind, yeah. patient, loving, yeah. you know, because they're there for others. Yeah. Mothers, fathers, uh, people. Yeah. When you can get to that level of servitude, it is yeah. a spiritual path. What you said about servitude and I said karma yoga and, and, and having compassion for others. But when I got into Buddhism, having a community, it was all about sangha and a community. Yeah. And they basically love others more than themselves. Well, that's their yeah. I- ideal. And, and in the spiritual community where everyone is your brother and sister, you know, we're all spiritual brothers and sisters. It is a beautiful way to live. 
Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And I, and I do miss it. I lived up at, here on the Sunshine Coast in a Buddhist community. Yeah. And, um, you know, people try to support each other as much as they can and it's wonderful. Rather than in a competitive world, it was, yeah. the, it was the opposite of competition. Yeah. It was like you are more important than me. My community is more important than you, than, than me. And it was, uh, 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 they didn't live up to that ideal, <laughs> as yeah. any group might not. Yeah. But it's a beautiful ideal to have. Yeah, it, it's a lighthouse, yeah. isn't it? It's it's a striving to be that. Yeah, it's a principle, yeah. Nelly, that you try yeah. to live by. Yeah, yeah. You know, and in any moment, you try yeah. not to be egotistical or yeah. selfish. You try to be giving yeah. and and grateful yeah. and those sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. But going beyond that, because um, serving others is a path that I said, karma yoga, um, yeah. and, and having that sort of love and compassion for people. And a community yeah. is also so supportive and wonderful. These are all ways, like you said, to portals into happiness, into this Buddha nature, as I call it. Wow, there's a powerful phrase. Portals into happiness. So which portal into constant happiness are you using on a daily basis? Is it meditation? Uh, is it the solitude of nature? A gratitude journal? Are you using many of these portals? Are you using any? of these portals. Chad says that we need to think of daily practices, daily practices, consistent actions, because you've got to do the work to get the rewards. So what routines are you using in the early mornings and the late afternoons and the evenings to absorb and entrench your happiness? One last contribution to this beautiful pathway that has dominated our conversation here, um, gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, gr- gratitude, as I say that, that, my definition is grateful for what, who one, not so much who one is, but what one has. Gratitude to me is diluting the need to want more. What's gratitude to you? Wow. I really like that. Gratitude to me is like an embodiment of love and appreciation and gratitude. I see it sort of all in that way that it is a, yeah. it is that portal of love yeah. where you really appreciate someone. You kind of really love what, what you're getting. But it also has a, a sense of humility to it that undercuts the ego. You know, that you're not the creator of everything in this moment. You don't, you know, just through your power and willpower that you get what you want. You actually need others. Um, so it, it's a pathway to humble yourself and, and, and that you're grateful for the presence of others in your life and, and that you, you need others. Yeah. And then it's just not all about you and your ego. Yeah. So I think it helps to undermine the ego to have that attitude of, yeah, uh, of gratefulness, gratefulness and also just come into that space again of love and appreciation of what's happening yeah. and who's helping you or what you're grateful for, not just who's helping you, but yeah. we, can, we can be grateful for so many things right now, couldn't we? Chad, finish it off. Three books, please, that you recommend. Three books. Top of mind. Some of them are beginners. Yeah, I would say The the Power of Now. By Eckhart Tolle. By Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Is that an easy read? Um, I I think it's okay. Yeah, I think it's especially for a beginner. And and for me, the path of meditation, the essence of being in the now. Being in the now, it's sort of all about that. It's where you find the love, the bliss, the joy. It's always in the now. Yeah. So any and and I think Eckhart Tolle does put it across quite well, um, in in that book. Um, Zen mind, beginner's mind. 
Zen mind, beginner's mind. Do you remember the author? Shunrei Suzuki. Suzuki, S-U-Z-U-K-I. Yes. S-U-Z-U-K-I. Good. Zen mind, beginner's mind. Yeah. Who's uh, he? He is a uh, Zen master, uh, a Japanese Zen master, Shunrei Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, lived through the earlier parts of last century. Um, and, and he was just very joyous in bringing Zen to the West. Wow. And, and, and explained it in ways, that not just in meditative ways, but in like daily life, how yeah. to appreciate the present moment and be Zen as in fully present yeah. in what you're doing. Um, so Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind is just a beautiful integrative meditative way. It's not, not about meditative practice or anything. Beautiful. And the other one I think, um, that one I told you about, Russ Harris, um, The Happiness Trap. Okay. I just think this is foundational because it's a type of therapy and self-care yeah. and it's how mindfulness can help us get through difficult emotions, yeah. grief and trauma um, and also goes into how the happiness trap is wanting to be happy all the time yeah. and just this understanding that life changes and goes up and down yeah. uh, and, and this sort of level of acceptance can help you have joy yeah. like, like in every situation. When you expect life to be up and down, you know, you laugh when it's down, you laugh when it's up, you laugh yeah. when it's, it's always, you expect it. It's all good. Yeah, it's I, all good. I can understand that possibilities. So, yeah, Russ Harris, The Happiness Trap, I, I'd really, that, the three books yeah. that come to mind at the moment we've talked yeah. about, it. we've been looking at my bookshelf this morning. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're three good ones that I'd happily recommend. And also that one that I just mentioned, um, The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. That's great. I yeah. can't think of the author right now, but that's, that's four. Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's my hope out of the, the two podcasts that we, we've done together is that uh, it can just be a stimulus for you know, some of our listeners to truly want to explore um, the spiritual pathway possibilities. And, I, and I've had people that have said to me, you know, oh, yeah, I, I've been wanting to get into meditation. There's like a calling mm-hmm. for them to get into meditation, they, they just don't know where to start or how to start it. But I can hear the calling speaking loudly to them now. They're not too far away. Well, during this huge long finish, <laughs> I just mentioned one more thing because you mentioned being in jail and in and being an inmate. And uh, there's a practice that may, you might not think is meditation, but it's a beautiful practice. And it's from a guy who was in jail. And he taught it to others and brought them to tears yeah. in jail. And that practice is before you eat, yeah. just reflect on everyone that was involved in bringing you that food. Yeah. And I don't just mean the person that made it, but the farmers, the truck drivers, the checkout person, <laughs> the, yeah. everyone at the supermarket. And then yeah. if you go further, you realize the people that built the roads, yeah. the family that supported that truck driver, yeah. that, you know, it just goes so far. And then yeah. before long, you can... It's a, it's a process of imagination yeah. where you just remember everyone that brought you that food and with a, a deep love and gratitude, you sort of bow to the interconnectivity yeah. th- through the understanding of that food coming yeah. to your, to your uh, plate. Yeah. And that can be a meditation, just yeah. that moment of appreciation. Yeah. It can switch your nervous system into a calm state. Yeah. You get more nutrients from the food. It is, it's healthy on a physical level yeah. as well. Yeah. And every time you eat, you can you know, practice a bit of meditation. Yeah. If you want to go that one Absolutely, step one yeah. step further, myself and my my wife Andrea, yeah. every meal that we have, I, I I do that contemplation quite regularly. But something we do do every time is uh, in the prayer position, we say yum over, over our food. 
<laughs> I learned this in a retreat um, and it's actually like a mantra, but it's also yummy. My food's yeah, here, show yeah. appreciation. And yeah. we do a, a meditation together. My wife and I will take a deep breath and then yum. <laughs> Really get into a meditative place, appreciation with our hands bowed to each other. We harmonize um, together. We find that harmony with our voices. So we come together resonantly. Is that a word? (laughs) We come together through resonance. Um, And it's just a beautiful way to uh, start the meal and, and to connect over that space. So there's just a couple of things that yeah, you can bring yeah. meditation into your daily life. It doesn't have to be a huge formal, you know, buy your own meditation cushion and start mm. a daily practice. Just just for a few mindful moments in your day, mm. showing appreciation. This is the start of, of, of bringing that meditative way yeah. into your daily life. Yeah. Do you ever consider the, I'm making it up now, the amount of rays of sun? That have created the spinach leaf that you're about to. This is how far you can go with it. Go, yeah. Absolutely. Like how many drops of water yeah. have been involved in the creation of the leaf and how it has somehow sucked the nutrients out of the earth. It's amazing, isn't it? Like and ultimately. The sun is that far away. Yeah. And yet it's partly responsible for the spinach leaf. I know. <laughs> the broccoli and the yeah. carrot that you're about to consume. <laughs> You're eating sun energy, yeah, through, through the magic of photosynthesis. Uh, it's what happens on the planet. And if you go back even further, everything has come from an exploding star. Oh, you know, okay. Physicists tell us that we're, oh. everything on this planet is from an f- exploding star. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. You can I mean connect that. with the whole universe <laughs> interdependently on that level. You know, yeah, like yeah. Everything is connected. Let's stop, Chad, otherwise we'll go into episode three. <laughs> well, Chad, I, I, this is a journey with Bernie episode and I, it's just before our 50th, I think, our milestone 50th episode. I might even make this number 50. Who knows how it will play out. But I, I, I don't want to call this a journey with Bernie. If this was something with Chad, what would we call this podcast? We can't say it's not bad with Chad. But what could we call it? Is there any? Is there? Does it have to rhyme with Chad? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get rad with Chad, <laughs> folks. Guess yeah. what? He's got a blank look on his face. I don't know where to go with this. We're just going to call it a journey with Bernie. Bernie, journey with Bernie. <laughs> what did you forget? My name, you dude. Teacher. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I hope you I enjoyed that. I thought we were looking that. for some ins- inspirational word or something, you know, a journey to enlightenment or something. A journey with Bernie is good. It was a beautiful journey. Don't you dare associate me with enlightenment, mate. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this, dear listeners. We certainly enjoyed having your patronage here. Hey, till next time. Can't wait before I bring you another wonderful episode. And I tell you what, I hope it's as good as this one because this was an absolute hoot. Cheers, <laughs> folks. Bye-bye. Well, good people, what did you think of that? I don't know about you, but I just loved it. But I continue to love these stories and these journeys of people's lives that can give to us strategies and actions and routines and and disciplines and ways of seeing the world, all of which can help us to become more loving human beings, happier ones too. And listening intently is the chipster, Chip Lachlan Huddy, our editor and producer. And as promised, 
He's about to deliver Chip's take-home pay, a four-minute summary of all the goodness and the gold that we just heard over the last hour. Hey, take it away, Chip. G'day, listeners. Pleasure to have you here. Now, listen, Chad and Bernie did such a good job unpacking the ideas in this episode that any summary I'd tried to apply... Uh, would just be surplus to requirements, to be honest. Uh, so what I'm going to do this episode is try a different tack for Chip's take-home pay. I'm going to give you my very personal experience of this podcast. So please indulge me. Here's what resonated with me the deepest. Chad quoted a 20th century spiritual figure named Jiddu Krishnamurti, or simply K as he was known. And the quote was, it is no measure of health to be adjusted to a profoundly sick society. I don't know about you, but that hit me hard. So this is a truth that I struggle with daily. Yes, our society is unwell. We're inflicting harm on ourselves, harm on each other, harm on our world. It would seem to be a moral imperative to rise up against this corrupt system, right? To dismantle the scam, as Chad called it, to rebel And indeed, Kay himself actually did this. He very publicly and defiantly uh, renounced his rather bloated spiritual movement, uh, which is called uh, Theosophy. Um, And then he devoted the rest of his life to simplicity, uh, to contemplation, to a lot of the virtues Chad speaks about in this episode. So on one hand, that's inspiring, right? But on the other hand, it's really intimidating uh, because I'm not that brave. I mean, I hope to be, I aspire to be, but I'm not there yet. Uh, Because as Bernie says in this episode, we still need to live in this world. And for me, it is exhausting to always be raging against the machine, even if it's the right thing to do. So what do I do, guys? What's my portion of rebellion? How do I help to dismantle this unhealthy society without causing myself such a level of psychic distress that I can't get out of bed in the morning? And I think for me, it's just leadership. Because rebellion is just leadership, I think. It's showing the way. So rather than actually rising up against the system, which is an inherently hostile thing to do, um, and I don't thrive in hostility. I don't think most of us thrive in hostility. I think the way forward for me is to embody the changes I want to see in our society on a moment-to-moment basis, and then to allow witnessing my behavior to open the door for others to embody positive changes in themselves. That's how you move mountains, right? One grain of dirt at a time. And I think that really fits nicely with the three steps Chad talked about in this episode. So first, retreat. So I should detach from this unhealthy society for a little while to recharge, to learn the techniques that allow me to embody those positive changes. So meditation, mindfulness, self-awareness. Hey, you know what? I think I'm definitely signing up for Chad Day on November 12th. So I'll learn those techniques and then I'll go to the second step, right? A daily practice that hones and reinforces those techniques. So important. We spoke about it earlier in the episode. So I might do my 20-minute meditation at the start of the day, right? Keep it simple. Then we move to the third thing. And I want to finish up by focusing on this one, on integration. I need to then integrate this stuff into my moment-to-moment life. Now, what does that look like? 
I'll give you an example of how I've already been able to integrate mindfulness into my life. And this was actually on the advice of an English teacher of mine from high school. Shout out to Mrs. Diane Hawke. I love you, ma'am. You are magnificent. Um, and she once advised me to just actively pay attention to how my behavior affected other people. Okay, so that's both mindfulness and self-awareness in the one practice. And it's been so useful to me because it's such a, a simple way to stay present and also to measure what you're putting out into the world and the effect that that's having. So it's so simple. It's so powerful. I really invite everyone to give it a try. Just pay attention to the way that your behavior affects other people. It's a fantastic little way to start embodying the change we need to see in our society. Um, so to sum all that up, okay, uh, and just because this pleases me and because Chad mentioned the great Jim Carrey in this episode, I'm going to quote from Jim's film, Bruce Almighty, the great actor Morgan Freeman playing God himself. And he says, you want to see the miracle, son? Be the miracle. Right, that's quite enough from me. I'm Chip Huddy. This has been Chip's Take Home Pay, and I do hope you found some pay worth taking home. One very quick request before I go. Listeners, we would love it if you could get on Apple Podcasts, get on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Uh, this show is an absolute labor of love for Bernie and me. We want to see it reach and help as many people as possible. By leaving us a rating or a review, you tell the podcast algorithms to serve the show up to potential listeners. You get it in front of more people. You guys have so much power to help us, and we would be so grateful if you did. All right, I promise that's definitely enough for me this time. As always, my friends, Alvida Zane. Ah, uh, that was gold, dear people. That was Lachlan Huddy and Chip's take-home pay. Simple strategies, aren't they? Just humble suggestions taken specifically from this episode. And you know and I know that if we implement them into our lives, it's just going to help us to be happier, a more beautiful human being and a more loving one at that. And who doesn't want that happening in their lives? Oh, dear people, I do hope this episode of A Journey with Bernie had a positive impact upon you. I can't wait to deliver the next one. Hey, it's just around the corner. Please enjoy this journey of life. Embrace this journey. And in the meantime, dear people, just remember this. <laughs> <laughs>